Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello, and welcome again to Daily Daf Differently. Jeremy Kalmanovsky here, studying with you Traffic Shkalim out of the Jerusalem Talmud, today on page 17. If you recall yesterday, we mentioned that there were different places in the temple precincts where people would bow down. We're going to expand that idea now with reference to some really old mythological uh, ideas that can be that can be found in the rabbis. So there are 13 places in which they bow down, perhaps 14 places in which they bow down. Why why these places? One view is that they were the sites of various gates in the Beit Hamikdash. One view is that these are the places that when the Greeks, Antiochus from the Hanukkah story, were destroying the temple, these are the places that they pierced the walls and were later later fixed. But the interesting idea that emerges most from our our page today on the A side of the page on the Aleph Amur of the page, dates back to very, very old mythology. In the ancient Near East, so the rabbis are sort of the end of the ancient period, but they are inheritors of all kinds of old ideas that make their way into the rabbis, both from the ambient culture, perhaps, but certainly also from the Bible. So in ancient, ancient Canaanite literature, and we know this from archaeological finds, such as the literature found at the city uh, today in Syria called Ugarit, a major source for knowledge of Canaanite mythology and religion, describes that the god El lives on the top of a mountain, and from the mountain come out these two massive rivers. And the idea is that, you know, at the divine place, at God's, at God's abode in the world, that's the source of overwhelming fertility and blessing the rivers pour out. Well, this idea finds its way into the Tanakh as well. There are a couple of stray references in uh, in the book of Psalms to the idea that Jerusalem is the source of great rivers. By the way, back in Genesis, it says that the Garden of Eden is the source of the waters, which you know, the rivers that water the world. One of them is described as being Gihon, which is not like the great Tigris and Euphrates that are described there in Genesis, but the Gihon is a little spring coming out of the base of Mount Zion in Jerusalem. Clearly, the, the idea is that at the most sacred place, that's where the water pours out. So, in the book of Ezekiel, and you may know that Ezekiel, the prophet Yechezkel, in the latter part of the book, he has a vision of a renewed temple and a renewed world, all kinds of miraculous miraculous uh, examples. And on page, in chapter 47 there in Ezekiel, which you may want to check out, Ezekiel describes how the uh, how the uh, Jerusalem is going to become filled, filled, filled with waters, and they're going to start off ankle deep, and then they'll become knee deep, they'll become waist deep, and then they'll be so massive that even a boat can't can't uh, traverse this river. Jerusalem is just going to be the source of the mightiest Mississippi that the world has ever known. So the sages on our page uh, expound those ideas. They expound Ezekiel, and they explain that the the rivers will pour forth and they will water all of the all they will they will make the the bitter waters of the Yam Hamelach, the Dead Sea 
and the Yam Hagadol, the Mediterranean Sea, they will turn them sweet. They will fill with fish. Uh, all the waters, including the sweet waters of the Kinneret, the Sea of Galilee, or the or or the uh, uh, another lake, which is a little bit hard to dis hard to figure out. It's called Samchu here on our page in a different version. It's called the Lake of Sidon. Sodom would be near the Dead Sea. It's hard to figure out exactly what they mean. Um, there are another pair of cool references here on our page. It describes the Yam Hagadol once flooded as far as Calabria, that is to say, southern Italy, the same, uh, so it's the same thing that we call Calabria, and, and Berberia, the Barbary coast, apparently. So the, uh, the sages know about the same places that, that we know about, and they imagine it with Ezekiel that the world will just be full, 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 full of rich, produce. Uh, but I mentioned that part of the uh, prostration places were those that, that King Antiochus is said to have destroyed. So we get an amazing Agadah, amazing piece of lore, somewhat well known to students of rabbinic literature, but I'll, I'll tell it to you now, of the destruction of the first temple. Uh, it concerns the king who is known variously in the Bible in different passages as Yehoyachin or Yehonya, it's the same guy. He's the, he's the son of Yehoyachin with a hard K as opposed to the, the guttural, uh, chaf sound. And it says here that, uh, when, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the Khan, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylonia, is coming to Eretz Yisrael, and he stops in, uh, in a place called Dophni, Daphne or something like that, Shell uh, Antokia near Antioch, the Sanhedrin Villa Likoto, and the Jewish court comes out to him, the Amralo, and the court says to him, Is it time that this temple will be destroyed? Clearly, the sages here are portrayed, you won't find this in the Tanakh exactly, they're portrayed as knowing that this is coming in and apparently deserve it. In fact, Cooperating with, with wicked Nebuchadnezzar. Amalahem otoshehim lachbialechem, tenuhuli vanihulech. Just give me this guy, Yehoyachim, who I placed in the kingship. Just give me, and I'll leave you alone. Right? So, ba'u ve'amula Yehoyachim, and they say to him, Yehoyachim melech, that Nebuchadnezzar ba'ilach, the king of Babylonia wants you. When Yehoyachin or Yehonia, both names refer to the same person, different Midrashim refer to different people, but it's the same person. Uh, when he heard them say that Nebuchadnezzar is coming, he took the keys to the temple, and he goes onto the roof of the temple, and he calls out, Rabbonu Shalom, Aforetime, we were faithful to you, and your keys were placed to our hands. Now we're no longer faithful. Here, here are your keys back. And the Talmud records that he either threw the keys up to heaven, and they didn't come back down, or a mighty hand reached out and took the keys. A really incredibly vivid image about humanity and God in this in this case. The story of the destruction of the temple is here, I think, portrayed as 
deserve it. And Yehoiachin, not one of the Bible's heroes, is portrayed as being a pretty, a pretty responsible person. Said, God, we just don't deserve the Bet Hamikdash anymore, and we're going to have to turn it back over to you. And God accepts, uh, as it were, the renters turning the keys back in. That's sort of a heartbreaking image, I think. And then the Midrash goes on and says, when all when all the senior people of Jerusalem saw that the keys were accepted back in heaven, they all went up to the roofs and threw themselves off the roofs in a kind of mass suicide. Terrible, terrible, sad story. Uh, a couple of interesting halakhic matters on the back page, on the bedside of the dot, that I think are quite interesting. After all of that miracle stuff about the about the rivers that were going to fill the world with sweet water and fish and make the trees grow, uh, we then go on and say, on the next side of the page, in, in recounting various others of the accoutrements of the temple, that there were silver tables. And the voice is quite a bit no, no, there weren't any silver tables, because that would, um, that would make the, the bread too, the bread that was placed before God as part of the temple sacrifice, temple ritual, that would make it too hot and it would, it would, um, go bad faster. And, uh, and somebody says, no, 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 it was a miracle. It was a miracle. They put the silver tables in. Nonetheless, the bread didn't go bad faster. But, uh, one of our, one of our, um, sages here, uh, Rabbi Yoshua Ben Levi says, Amos Kirin Maasemisim. No, 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 no. You can't, uh, make the, the halakhic practice dependent upon a divine miracle. You have to do your human Best. I like this a lot. You have to do the wisest thing, the most, the most typically affected. Derech Hateva, says one of the commentators on our page. You have to do things Derech Hateva in the natural way and not expect God to, to fix all your mistakes. All right, thanks for learning today's page with me, and I look forward to learning with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.